You're listening to XOXO by The Knot, a podcast exploring love in real life. I'm Whitney Little, and on the show today, you'll meet Abby and Tim. They're both designers by trade, and this creative duo turned wedding planning into a full-time gig when, during their own wedding planning, they also took the lead on renovating Abby's family barn, turning it into a gorgeous, rustic venue with prairie views. From their venue to their decor, invitations to attire, their wedding story is filled with inspiring details that reflect their love story and passion for art and design. Listeners, meet Abby and Tim from Champaign, Urbana, Illinois. They're newly married business owners taking life one celebration at a time. This is their story. We did not have electricity. We did not have water from a well. That was also not in place. We did not have septic, so we didn't have toilets in place. We didn't have tables. We didn't have chairs. We didn't have anything. (laughs) It would have been easier if we had gotten married somewhere else and let them take care of things for us. But there was no way in the world that we could because we got to christen the building. We were the first couple to be married inside of it. And it, it was still deeply under construction. Welcome, Abby and Tim. Hello. Hi there. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, we're excited. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Of course. Let's kick it off from the beginning. How did the two of you meet? We met online, actually. I was living in Illinois, and I applied to grad schools all over the country. And I ended up getting into all the schools I applied to, which made it really hard because then I had to choose from literally the four corners of the country. But I ended up deciding to go to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn for interior design. And as soon as I realized that I was going to go from kind of the dating pool of a small Midwestern town to New York City, (laughs) I switched my online account over immediately, which was a little tricky because I wasn't coming out for two months. But I ended up spotting Tim's profile. I thought he was too handsome for me. And so I ended up just like looking at it and doing nothing. Yeah, you're just starting the just kind of just, just perusing, shopping around. And I ended up telling my twin sister and a friend about it. And they were like, well, let us see. And so they looked at his profile and they were like, Abby, contact him right now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fine. And we just hit it off, really. We started talking about 90s Nickelodeon and old cars and woodworking and all the things that we're dork out about. Yeah. Abby and I were talking the summer before she started her fall classes. I guess you could say we met, you know, with quotation marks in May. We both realized it wouldn't be till July when she would come out for her summer classes. And so, yeah, I was having no luck with my dating life at the time. So I was like, Okay, you know, uh, I'll give it a shot. You know, I've got time. (laughs) I'm glad I did. So we just took the time to email back and forth, graduated through text messages, and we just took the time getting to know each other and really hit it off. And I'm kind of glad that we took as long as we did because when we finally met, you know, like we have been longtime friends and, you know, there wasn't so much first date jitters for, for us. So there was no nerves about meeting each other in real life after two months? Okay, no. I oh, definitely no, definitely, I definitely may have thrown up before I dated. <laughs> oh, my God. I was extremely nervous, but don't let Tim fool you. <laughs> I think he was nervous, too, but maybe not as nervous. He had to, yeah, he ended up having to drive an hour to see me from, New, he came over from New Jersey for the day. 
My parents dropped me off. We drove into Brooklyn, which was just like shocking. Even though my dad is from Brooklyn, I've been there before, but it was just like, holy cow, this is my new life. They dropped me off in my empty apartment, drove away. And then Tim came over like two hours later. So it was just a very intense day, but we ended up having an amazing first date. Mm -hmm. And really when we met in real life, it felt like meeting the oldest friends. Like I would say Tim and I have a soulmate connection and I don't say that lightly. (laughs) So it felt like really that we were supposed to be meeting and it was no accident that I was having to move across the country in order to have our first date. I do remember making the drive that afternoon. I was so nervous and uh, I swear, like I was dripping off my hands just out of nervousness. (laughs) I'm holding my hands in front of the AC just to keep them cool. I remember walking up to the door, you know, buzzing the gate telling her that I was here and I had to wait outside while she came down. And that was one of the longest waits I've had. And I remember my heart pounding, but as soon as I saw Abby turn the corner, I I couldn't contain myself. I just started program to the biggest smile in the world and just beaming at her and we just just hugged like we were long, long lost friends or something and it just started an amazing first date for us. <laughs> so what was that first date like? I would be so incredibly nervous after having talked to someone for two months and then to actually be around them physically. Like, what what did you guys do? How long did the date last? It was a big deal because at that point, you're just hoping that the person you, that you're getting to know lives up to what all of your hopes. Right. And there's a lot, you know, you could be like, I hope I'm not making any of this up in my head. Um, I could have been, <laughs> <laughs> been a dud. I could have been crazy. I mean, there's a million things that could have gone wrong, but it was even better in person. And we ended up just walking around my new neighborhood in Brooklyn. And the grad school I went to has an absolutely beautiful campus. And so it's almost like this beautiful sculpture park in the middle of, you know, chaotic Brooklyn. So we just walked around. We went to a little diner and got a, shared a strawberry milkshake. And <laughs> we ended up parked on this this one bench. <laughs> yes, it's a pretty special bench for the two of us because we have been talking for a while and Shan's are laughing a lot. I found her so interesting. I hope she found me just as interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we just decided to sit on this bench on campus and just relax and enjoy the view in the shade. And Abby and I, I, I felt like we were definitely, you know, on the spark, you know, we were vibing, you know, things were <laughs> moving and shaking. <laughs> And I'll admit, I'm, sometimes I'm not the smoothest guy, but I go, but you gotta go for it sometimes. And I just said to Abby, should we just get it over with? Not the most romantic line ever, but. <laughs> We've and, joked about this line for years to come because he said, should we get this over with? Which I was like, wow, okay. Um, actually, <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. And then I had to get up to spit my gum out. So we were just two bumbling fools <laughs> trying to have a first kiss. So that's pretty much how it happens. And then. The rest of the day, our cheeks just hurt from smiling so hard. Tim literally wouldn't stop just grinning in my face the entire time. It made me so uncomfortable, but it was also very sweet. Abby, if someone told me, should we just get this over with? I don't know what I would have done. (laughs) It was so honest because it was like, actually, that is what most people are thinking before a first kiss. You're right. You're right. And it was a relief to get it over with. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of anticipation. (laughs) There is. So clearly you guys had an amazing first date. What were your early days of dating like? Those were fun because, I mean, uh, otherwise I would have been brand new to Brooklyn. And 
you know, of course you make friends in grad school and stuff, but it was just like having this amazing friend and obviously all the rush of falling in love with someone. And we got to explore Brooklyn together mm-hmm. and we did a lot, you know, we really hit the town and th- did things that I never would have done because Tim was able to drive in Brooklyn. <laughs> I learned how to, and then I came home and my family was like, Abby, you need to, you need to tone it down now that you're home. And I was like, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but you know, we really explored the town and just had an absolute ball. Even though I was crazy busy with work, we basically got together every weekend and just totally fell in love. Right. Yeah. We tried to explore and discover parts of Brooklyn that were, you know, maybe more hidden gems, you know, you know, not so regularly visited by tourists. And that was kind of fun to try to discover. We love going out to eat in Brooklyn, too. I mean, really, we honestly miss some of our favorite restaurants there, especially our beloved egg, bacon, and cheese. Uh, <laughs> bagel? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You can't get a good bagel you can't here. Get a bagel out here, no. I would come along every weekend, and I don't know, I would just bring her like a small gift or something every time I came. Nothing major. I mean, like, she shared an apartment with a few roommates and, you know, college students are not known for clumsy meds. So I, I don't know. I just happened to notice my last visit, okay, one needs back me and I went and got like a little swivel sweeper just to help keep it a little cleaner. I don't know. I was just trying to help out. Tim's gestures of helping me keep our apartment clean when my three roommates, he's being generous. My three roommates did, couldn't have cared less and I was basically trying to keep the whole place clean was meant so much to me. He would come and bring us, like he said, a small vacuum. He would bring different cleaning supplies every week and just help me keep it clean. And he wouldn't say anything. I would just find him out cleaning the sink or cleaning the mirrors. And I was like, oh my God. So actually that means so much because he's really trying to make sure that I'm living in a place that felt like a home. Well, you were so busy when you're <laughs> Yeah, I was just so busy. We were all, everyone's busy. <laughs> That's very thoughtful. It was sweet. Do you guys want to come over to my apartment? <laughs> yeah, Tim, do you want to go to her place? <laughs> I need someone to clean it. He, I, <laughs> he still does it here. I need egg and cheese, baby. I'll get it. I will yeah. have that ready okay, for I'll you. I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Abby, when did you know that Tim was the one? I don't want to say before we met because it just sounds crazy. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. Our relationship felt just extremely important from the get-go. And I, I sometimes tell my girlfriends this, that, and I don't. I don't want this to sound entitled because I'm not sure everybody gets this, but I feel like sometimes falling in love should just be easy. And that's how it felt with us. Loving Tim was just the easiest thing I've ever done. And I always felt lucky because it felt equal. We liked each other the same amount. And I know that's a struggle with so many relationships is even if it's off balance by like 5%, you can, people can often feel that. And so Tim and I just were always equally excited. Yeah. Yeah. We were on the same page the whole time. I was ready for a relationship and Gabby was too. uh, Just made sense. Yeah. No. And like Abby said, it was easy for for her. It was easy for me too. I can be a shy guy sometimes when I meet new people. And I remember meeting Abby for the first time and dating her afterwards. Like I just didn't feel nervous around her. Like I could tell her anything, you know, without feeling judged or feeling ridiculous about what I said. And it was just the easiest thing to like and eventually fall in love with Abby. 
I think you two have an amazing gift of putting into words how people feel. Like I, hearing the two of you talk about this is exactly how I felt when I met my husband and I didn't know how to enunciate it. I was just like, he feels like home, but it's the most beautiful thing to hear you two talk about each other. I'm like getting teary eyed in the studio. It's beautiful. (laughs) Tim, when did you know you wanted to propose? I knew I wanted to propose to Abby, like in our first year of dating, kind of. I was like, I'm going to marry this girl. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just know it. I got the ring, the engagement ring, shortly before we graduated, me, before she graduated from Pratt. And that was almost three years afterwards, after three years of dating. I finally did the proposal after we had moved to Champaign, because at that point in our, our lives, things were sort of in flux. We didn't know where. We were going to end up, you know, because we were going to be having new jobs, moving out of the city. So it didn't seem like the right time for me, even though I knew I wanted to marry her. And I suppose, you know, looking back, I could have done it then. So did you have a plan in mind? Had she talked to you about what she wanted in a ring or a proposal or anything like that? Or did you come up with it entirely on your own? I was able to get in touch with Abby's sister and kind of pick her brain what kind of bring Abby my like. But at the same time, I paid attention to, you know, things she said perhaps when we were out. And I don't know, we like maybe we walked past a jewelry store and Abby said, oh, she looked, she liked the look at this, not that. And, you know, so the whole time I was taking mental notes about that. And I just eventually started doing some shopping on my own, looking around Instagram and, and local jewelry shops in Brooklyn. And I eventually found... Tim, I would say Tim studied my jewelry style for years (laughs) in like very subtle ways. He would like, yeah, like he said, we would see jewelry and he would just say, okay, like, which one do you like better and why? Or we would get like a Sundance catalog and we'd go through and he would try to guess which ring I would like. And then I would tell him it was a different ring. And basically what he came up with is that my style is wildly unpredictable. (laughs) I'm a tough customer, but he did have my twin sister to help who knows me as well as she knows herself. So I feel like Tim though can pretty much figure anything out because he's so thoughtful. Like (laughs) no matter how difficult it is, I'm sure he just knew exactly what to do. How did the proposal go down? I didn't do anything particularly over the top. I don't think that's kind of our style, especially Abby's. I figured it it should be kind of just the two of us. I, let's see, I'm, I remember it was a lovely June evening since we live out on the prairie here. Every June, the fireflies come out and just light up the prairie, you know, really. Everywhere you look, there's like just this glittering of fireflies everywhere. And it's really quite beautiful. I've never, I never saw anything like this while living back home in New Jersey. So I figured, okay, let's just go around and enjoy this. We had a, a deck of cards with us and that was kind of like one of our favorite things to do while we dated in Brooklyn, you know, just playing gin rummy. So Abby apparently thought we were just going to go out, play cards, enjoy the weather, watch the uh, fireflies. And, you know, I snuck in town to, oh, I just got to use the restroom and ran up to my room and grabbed the ring from my hiding spot, ran back out. And I was so nervous. My heart was racing. Yeah, even though I was so nervous, I was just, just as excited because, I was going to be proposing to my wife here, and I couldn't wait to ask her the question. And I told her how I felt, 
how much she meant to me. I had never met anyone like her, and she was my best friend, my partner in crime. Yeah, and I just asked her if she would marry me, and I think we all know what the answer is. But yeah, I put the ring on her finger, and we just kissed and had the longest hug ever. It was a beautiful moment for the both of us. And Abby, what was going through your mind? Did you know it was coming? I did. (laughs) And I don't mean to sound like unromantic or unmagical, but I just know Tim so well that like his, I played along because he's, how can you not? But I was like, he's up to something, but he seems like he's up to something sweet. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get anything past Abby these days, especially that. I mean, for three years now, she's been able to, Guess my birthday present for her, so I may as well give up now. I can just read Tim's <laughs> mind, even with random stuff. It's really not fair. I don't know, mean to. It's just how it is between the two of us. Like I said, we're soulmates. <laughs> so I did sense that something was coming, but you know, going outside to enjoy the fireflies. There was a full moon, and we were going to play cards. That wasn't that wasn't necessarily something that was so unusual for us, and so that's what I enjoyed is that. We had this special moment in kind of a, a special, beautiful scene in almost like an ordinary day for us. And Tim is right. I, I'm not necessarily the kind of person who would have wanted like a huge grand gesture in public or something. So this was perfect just at home, uh, us and the coyotes. So after you get engaged, are you instantly envisioning your wedding or did the two of you kind of come together and exchange you know, your ideas as a team? Like, what what was that process like? Well, our process was a little different because we were going through the process of developing a venue. And so all of our beginning initial wedding planning kind of got wrapped into that. I would say we took like a short breath. And then, and then of course, it's incredibly fun to start dreaming about it yeah. and planning mm-hmm. all the aspects. So I wouldn't say we waited terribly long, but went naturally into it. So you talk about this venue. Did you know before you got engaged that you wanted to build a venue or did that come from the proposal? I had been working on the design and the zoning aspects of the venue for, I started in January and we got engaged in June. So six months into the process of working on this venue. Yeah. And actually this venue was Mainly the reason, one of the reasons Abby went to grad school in Brooklyn, she just has a love for old buildings and wanted to get the skills to be able to restore it and create this beautiful space. She really did an amazing job with it. And yeah, I'm proud of it. A lot of couples go through wedding planning without really fully understanding how much work the vendors put in to this like one single day, this one party. There's so much work on the small business owner side. What was it like for you to be planning a wedding, but also see the other side of kind of how the sausage gets made? You know, I wouldn't recommend that to most people. It's not, I would, it's not for the faint of heart. In many ways, it made more sense for us to get married somewhere else so that we didn't have our wedding wrapped into our business and construction, as everyone knows, construction is unpredictable, Mm -hmm. but it worked out. When I graduated from grad school, my family's property was open and available. We had an old farmhouse that Tim and I are now the fifth generation in. And so we're located on 120 acres of prairie. 
And my, it used to be farmland, but when my grandpa got older, he decided to convert it over to a natural prairie. And so he went to cemeteries and railroads and collected native species and he replanted the entire property. And so now the home and what used to be the shed and is now our venue, Blue Stem Hall, is located kind of right in the middle. So we're surrounded by this amazingly gorgeous prairie. Mm-hmm. And it's protected by the state as a nature preserve now because we have an endangered squirrel that lives here. (laughs) Very elusive. We never see them, but they're here. And so I left grad school with a certain skill set. Like Tim mentioned, historic preservation is my passion. And so we came out here and my grandpa's shed was full of tractors from the 1920s up to the 1980s. Amazing old, old antiques. And I grew up playing inside this building, just exploring it. So many hidden treasures in there. And that was in January when we moved out here. And I began the design process, which takes some time to figure out, okay, if we're going to do this, what in the world are we going to do? And so it took a while to go through the design and get our ideas hashed out. And then at the same time, we had to work in tandem with what the zoning office expected from us because that was extremely rigorous and cutthroat experience to get the property rezoned so that we could have our small business here. Mm -hmm. And so this was wrapped into our wedding planning and we began construction ultimately after 50 people voted yes from the zoning office and the city on this project. And we tried to plan our wedding to be in July originally, but today is the day that we met. Yes, yeah, July second, which was a Saturday, but construction was not even remotely done. I mean, we didn't have walls; it was not even close. And so, Tim and I had to reevaluate ultimately, yeah, and move our date. Right. And so that's why it's really just it's uniquely chaotic, and uniquely our story. Right. <laughs> Of course. And the venue is such a huge part of any couple's wedding. Like that sets the stage. And that's typically the first vendor a couple books. And farms and barns are so wildly popular. About 16% of our couples tend to book that as their wedding venue. The only one that's more popular is a banquet hall, which kind of makes sense. But this is where you're spending about half your budget, like the average is around $15,000, which sounds, you know, like such a huge price tag, but you're a venue owner. I mean, it really does set the stage for everything else. Once you have your venue, you can book your caterer and everything else from there. You get your date. You understand how many people can actually come to the wedding. Like it's just, it is the key factor for wedding planning. And it's just such a big choice that couples make. So it's, really special and I'm sure also really stressful to have been planning your wedding, but also see the other side of it. It really was. Now we have this fully functioning business and I give tours all the time and people really do come to us as the first stop and they often look to us for the next steps. And I try to give some advice, but you really almost can't move forward until you have your venue. And like I said, Tim and I, it would have been easier if we had gotten married somewhere else and let them take care of things for us. But it just, there was no way in the world that we could, because we got to christen the building. We were the first couple to be married inside of it. Mm -hmm. 
And it was still deeply under construction at the yeah. time <laughs> of our October wedding, but it just was so full circle and perfect that we were the first people yeah. to get hitched out here. <laughs> but changing the date is a big deal. Like the venue you knew was available in October, but what about your other vendors? Well, so the first person that I, the first vendor that I cared strongly about was photographer because I wanted somebody that could capture our sense of style. Since Tim and I are both artists and designers, we just had a certain style that we wanted to make sure was aligned with ours. And so I ended up booking Jessica O as our photographer off of Instagram. I found her and I was like, yes. And she was set for our July wedding. And then when we went to move our date, I contacted her and I was like, I will work this around you because I feel strongly that you're our photographer. It ended up working out. We did have to deal with, we live in the kind of town where if there's a, this is so silly, if there's a football game here, you can't get married on that day because the town is run by these football games for the University of Illinois. And so we had to kind of finagle with that too, as well, being in the fall. But that was the only vendor that that we had really gone too far with mm-hmm. and that we cared strongly enough that we would work the date around her schedule. And I've seen the photos from your wedding. That photographer was well worth making it work oh, with her. They're incredible photos. Just amazing. She was so special. We, she had an amazing personality, just super professional. Mm-hmm. And the photos are just stunning. Yeah. As designers, how much... Did you want to pour yourself into the wedding planning process? Were there some projects you wanted to take on yourself? I mean, my background's in industrial design, but I've always liked doing graphic design work. And so that was like a real fun chance for me to play around and create, impose my style on it. That's what Abby's doing. So I kind of had just fun coming up with ideas, looking around for inspiration and and kind of just really getting down into the nitty-gritty of graphic design from, you know, obsessing over the kerning, you know, which is the space in between the letters, you know, choosing the right typeface that we felt was cool, but classic at the same time. And I had a lot of fun doing that. And we got everything, we did everything ourselves from the day of the days to the invitations to the programs and got that all printed locally and mounted out ourselves. Tim did an amazing job. He is just wonderfully detailed and the right kind of perfectionist. Tim and I used to joke that we had, that I had boyfriend Tim. This is before we were married. I had boyfriend Tim and designer Tim because I was in a design master's program. Sometimes when I asked his opinion, I needed an opinion from my boyfriend, which was just support and love. And then sometimes I would need an opinion from design Tim, which was more critical. <laughs> and I would try to give him a heads up as to who I needed to talk to. <laughs> yeah, you had to start doing that. Oh, but he's right. extremely gifted at graphic design. And then otherwise, we had fun, you know, trying to, obviously, the whole thing was DIY. We DIY'd the whole darn place, but... I knew a certain color palette that I wanted to hit. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really wanted to have was dried citrus. And so I got this special machine that dries that you could put fruit in and it would dry it out. But I knew that blood oranges was one of the fruits that I wanted. And my twin sister happened to know that blood oranges are only in season. I forget when. It was like six months, eight months before our wedding. 
And so I went and collected a bunch from the grocery store while they were available and dried them. And so we had this, these beautiful pieces of citrus scattered all over the tables. And I think one of the elements that I think people can have fun with with their tablescapes is just different tiers of decoration. So we had large blue and white pumpkins and blue pumpkins. They're kind of like this chalky, dusty blue. I don't know if they just exist out here or if they're everywhere, but they're stunningly beautiful. And then we had a lot of different colored antique glassware. And then we had the dried citrus. So just like different height objects and decorations just really made the tables feel super well-rounded. I've never heard of a blue pumpkin, but they sound beautiful. (laughs) You have to Google it. They're just (laughs) the perfect color of blue. And what about your attire? Well, Tim and I did both design or take a part of both of our outfits. I am a plus size gal and I wanted the dress to fit perfectly because I know that sometimes, well, in my experience, every time I've tried on dresses that fit me, they were extremely structured with a lot of boning and the boning is just kind of like a sample size. And so it never really fit the different parts of my body perfectly. You know, the, the chest could be humongous and there's no real way to kind of tailor that down to be perfect. And I, I just wanted, I didn't want to feel like the dress was wearing me. I knew probably second to the photographer is I was like, I need to find somebody who can help me make a dress. I ended up going with a company out of Chicago called Avail and Company. And she was amazing because I would go up to Chicago and we would talk through ideas and look at fabrics. And she would just basically try to take what I was describing because I'm no fashion designer and I don't know, I didn't even know the terminology. I learned a lot about it, but trying to kind of, she, she came back to basics with me. And I knew the one element that I cared very strongly about was that I wanted Swiss dots. I wanted my whole dress to be made out of Swiss dots. And we got to be creative in the sense of, are the dots lighter than the fabric underneath? Or is the fabric underneath lighter than the dots? In what way do they want to stand out? The different silks that we had underneath. And the dress just fit me perfectly. Really. It was just made just for me, which I think women of all shapes and sizes can relate to as we shop in normal stores that, you know, things don't always fit perfectly. So I cared a lot about my dress fitting perfectly. And my absolute favorite part was my Swiss dot veil. I had this humongous veil and my nickname in grad school may have been dot just because as an artist, I really like dots and repetition and marks. And so it just, I don't know, it just, I just smiled thinking about it. I want to go look at it in my closet. (laughs) The Knot actually has an upcoming study looking at how women in particular are dress shopping and specifically how that experience differs for plus size women because it's, I mean, we hear all the time how plus size brides feel discouraged when they're dress shopping because there's just not even a sample size available for them to try on, which is insane to walk into a store and not even be able to have a dress on your body so you can see what it will actually look like on your wedding day. And it's so disheartening, you know, to have this be a huge, incredible day and turning point for your life. And everyone deserves to feel their most beautiful. And they don't always get that experience right up front. So 
it's something we're definitely, you know, talking through on the not side and trying to figure out how to fix that. But I mean, I'm looking at your dress and it is perfect to your point. Like you wore the dress, the dress didn't wear you. I think a lot of times plus size women tend to get shoved into like a large gown to hide parts of their bodies. And that's not really what women want. It's not. And I mean, honestly, every dress I tried on had a cup size that was like F and I'm a C cup. And so it just was like, how is this even going to work? It's swimming on me in certain spots and other, other spots. It's, it's squeezing me. And so it didn't work. And I have to say that my older sister, Amelia, who's a size four, was getting married a few months after me. And so we did go dress shopping one time together. And I am perfectly comfortable with my body and myself. So it's definitely not like a self-esteem issue at all. But we went into a bridal store and she had the entire place. And they walked me over to my one rack of like four dresses that I was able to try on. And she had the entire store. And it's not a big deal because I was like, okay, I I knew this ahead of time. I was like, that's fine. I figured. But for somebody who doesn't have the interest in making their own dress or the wherewithal or the time or any of those things, they are stuffed into those dresses that do not fit and potentially don't flatter them. It is too bad. And there's a huge market for women of all shapes and sizes that don't necessarily fit in the dresses at the store. Right. And even women who, your sister, like you mentioned, is a size four. I think it doesn't even matter what size clothes you wear. I think so many women get are just so self-conscious no matter what, and they get nervous yeah. trying on dresses and they're worried, you know, like, what is this going to look like? Am I going to find the one? And so there's pressure all around, but especially when you walk in and you you know ahead of time you might not really have many dresses to choose from and it could not even zip up on your body because they just don't have the right sample size for you to try on. It's definitely something that we want to change and it's, you know, it's just going to take a little bit of time to get there. But I'm really glad you had the patience and time and skill to be able to design your own. I feel like, you know, planning a wedding DIYing so many things, designing your dress, and also building a venue. It was like, it just makes me feel like the laziest person alive. <laughs> I, we, you know what? We were so into it that we, we basically were like, let's just jump fully into this and do it all. It almost felt like, why not? How could we not? And so it might sound like it was absolutely insane. It actually, no, okay, it was insane. It was insane, but it really did work out. <laughs> Your dress was still fairly reasonably priced too, I believe, right? Yeah, I got, my dress was only $2,300. It was extremely Very affordable. Yeah, dress. and I got nice fabrics. I didn't, I didn't like kind of pull back at all. It, it was exactly what I wanted and the price tag just ended up being 2300 and it was, exactly custom tailored for my for me and my body so and I found multiple companies that were willing to do this and I don't think it's out of people's budget per se right yeah it's it might be a little extra work but I mean the end result for you was stunning the dress is just absolutely beautiful and Tim (laughs) your suit was custom as well yeah my suit was custom as well 
I went to the men's warehouse and I was just looking around for suits and they told me that I could get a custom suit for basically around a little more than what some of the suits there were selling for. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. So yeah, I went through all these fabric samples that they had and chose the color that I liked the most. And I felt that would fit our demon style and picked out. I was able to go down to all the details, you know, if I wanted, like, my initial monogram, which actually I did do on the inside lapel. I chose the inside liner, and, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with that. You know, we kind of went with, like, a dotted pattern of sorts, and I kind of did that to uh, as kind of a homage to Abby Dot, nickname, persona. And, yeah, we had a lot of fun, and the staff that this particular location was great, helped me out every step of the way. And, yeah, I love Happy. His suit fit him beautifully, and I asked him if he was comfortable if I gifted him a bow tie for our wedding, and I found a company online that makes bow ties from feathers, and Mm -hmm. one of the animals that we have out here, it's the goofiest bird in the whole world, but (laughs) we have these gorgeous pheasants that live out here on the prairie with us, and we're always hearing them call, and they're extremely hilarious bird because they're they I don't think they're native to Britain but they seem very British in the way that they kind of fight and they're kind of like you stop no you stop (laughs) (laughs) and so I found this beautiful bow tie that was made of pheasant feathers and it was just stunning as a completion and I it was so nice for Tim to just trust me because I was like Tim I think you're gonna like this but I wasn't sure and it yeah I had no idea what they expect (laughs) you it's beautiful. I was, yeah. I was very happy to wear it that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Abby kind of topped it all, my, my outfit with the bow tie and my groomsmen, I kind of gave them a little bit of a guideline to follow. I actually found the pants and shirts and I just got their sizes, ordered it all for them, and I gifted them all a bow tie. And I, I can't remember, what's the name? Oh, yeah. I got them all different colored, but red. They were all red, but they all had different looks, and I ordered them all from the Thai bar and kind of just gave them that as a gift, and everybody looked great. And on your wedding day, how ready was the venue in those, like, days leading up to it? Was it a last-minute thing? I have a feeling it probably was. So at this time, I was 27, and if you can imagine a young, perky 27-year-old running a construction site full of grown men. That's exactly what was happening. And I wasn't sure how that would go. And in the beginning, I really tried to show them that I was in charge, but I was always extremely kind. And we ended up all being just great, great friends. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't sure if they would laugh laugh at me or think that I was silly. And they didn't. Everyone was so respectful of me being the person in charge. But I really had to kind of demand a presence. Mm -hmm. And I made sure not to step in and like Yeah, Tim was yeah, Tim was great about kind of pulling back because as most women know, sometimes when there's another man involved, they end up talking to each other, even though I'm the one in charge. So Tim was extremely supportive of trying to make sure that didn't happen because it's just kind of it just naturally happens a lot. But the week of the wedding, everyone was just in full gear. But we had an accidental tractor snafu and it pulled, we, it cut the electric line. So we did not have electricity. We did not have water from a well that got 
that was also not in place. We did not have septic, so we didn't have toilets in place. We didn't have tables. We did not have tables. We didn't have chairs. We didn't have anything. <laughs> but if I could just emphasize that an entire team of men made every effort to make sure that Tim and I got married in time, that's exactly what happened. People pulled favors. They worked extra hours. They did above and beyond the electric got turned on. The well got turned on. The septic got turned on. Yeah. One of the construction workers stayed until 10 o'clock the night before our wedding for the tables and chairs to arrive. And then the next day, the groomsmen unpacked it all. Right. It was just, I mean, at that point, Tim and I had kind of resigned ourselves because we were like, okay, this is just, it is the way it is. We hand burnt all of the wood for the entire exterior ourselves. And about a week before our wedding, we had, we just had to stop burning. We were like, we can't do this anymore. I was, I was going to get my manicure uh, a few days out. And the the lady basically was like, what have you been doing? Why are your nails covered in soot? What is wrong with you? <laughs> it all worked out and it all came together simply because we had such great relationships with everybody. Yeah. And they were all so wonderful and kind and they had a table at our wedding. So the, the construction workers came and I gave them a special toast and everybody cheered for them. And there may have been some tears. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't totally together or done. And we may have had to hide construction tools and machinery in, in back rooms. And, but it was a construction site wedding and our guests knew that at that point. So yeah. I don't know. We we still laugh about it because there's a photo of us getting married under one of the chandeliers inside the building, and then it has the Perry in the backdrop by one of the windows, and like and just you know 50 feet in the background there's a backhoe, and that's from them literally just putting the septic in two days before we got married. So <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, we finished the septic system, and I was like, oh, thank you, and they're like. I didn't think about it. They parked their humongous tractor right behind where we were going to stand. And so we, we did get married with this huge tractor behind us. Yeah. And Jessica, oh, the photographer, had a work cut out for her because she had to she had to work around these quirks. Yeah, that's true. She did a wonderful job. She did. And Tim, you mentioned this chandelier. I really want you to talk more about it because I love a good chandelier. This one was made out of a tractor tire. That's right. So the shed, which is now Bluestem Mall, used to be her grandfather's structure where she, he stored all of his tractors and farm implements. And there were all kinds of remnants of farming equipment around on the property too, which included these tires. And we had a family member in the area who lives just right around the corner from us helped us pop the tires off the tractors and the tire rims were still in great shape. You know, they, you know, they were rusty, but it just, but that was the kind of luck we were going for. And they still had the original paint on them. You know, you just can't re- recreate that character and history too. So Abby had collected native prairie flowers around here that were in bloom around here, such as goldenrod which is just a stunning, deep, rich yellow at the time. And when it dries, sometimes it turns gray, but it just dried beautifully. And it still had that rich yellow to it. And we tied it in bunches and attached it to the tire, hung it from the rims. And we had electrical work routed from the ceiling and just looped it around the tires. And 
Yeah, and it's one of our favorite features of the building. That I think is a lot of people's favorite features of the building. One of a lot of people's favorite features when they come see the place. I think the chandeliers might be one of the most photographed things out here. But I did collect the plants a few weeks before our wedding, so they had time to dry. And then at this point, the contractor was basically letting me use his huge machine at my whimsy because I was one of the gang. And so there was this special lift that you like got into this box and you could drive around and it was like impossible to steer. And then it would lift you up really high into the air. And so they taught me how to use this. And I, you know, just to describe how down to the wire we are, we were, I was dressed for our dress rehearsal. All my friends and family were arriving and everybody was like, where's Abby? And I'm out in the building zooming around (laughs) in this machine covered in flowers hanging the flowers up literally the afternoon before and they still hang where they they were (laughs) stay together we've talked a lot about the the venue and you know the decor and stuff but I want to quickly kind of wrap up the wedding conversation with finding out how did it feel like what do you remember most about the day and obviously there was a lot going on with the construction and stuff but that all kind of melts away, I would imagine. I felt wonderful because it's, and this is something that I, now that I'm a wedding professional myself, something that I advise, advise our couples is that the little details and all the stuff that stresses you out, honestly just doesn't, it melts away. It doesn't matter because the day of you're surrounded by your favorite people in the entire world. And that's all that really counts is how much, how they're shining so much love at you. The day ended up being really special. It, it was it was extreme weather for a little bit. We had gale force winds and it was raining and it was almost hard to walk out here because the wind was so strong. And of course, my veil was just flying all around, very dramatic. But then we ended up having a double rainbow, which was stunning. We were eating. I remember eating and Jessica came in. She was like, there's a double rainbow. Hurry. And we ran outside. And then I had multiple Yes. There was still sprinkling. We, we ran out. And at that point, I had changed from my nice shoes into boots because you couldn't tell. And I was like, we were just traipsing around mud and stuff. So, <laughs> And I had multiple guests tell me that there, an albino deer came to visit during this ceremony. So that was really special, too. I would have seen that. Me, too. <laughs> was there? How did you feel, Sam? So I remember it being a great day. The whole day was kind of a blur in some ways, you know. Rushing from the, from start to finish, as Abby has said, we had just gotten our cables delivered the night before after our dress rehearsal. Yeah, I remember rushing over there with me and the groomsmen. We unpacked all the tables as quick as we could, and whatever extras we had, we had to stash them somewhere for storage and set up all the chairs for the ceremony area as well as just put the tables up so that they could just get decorated. Our bridal, we literally owe our bridal party like beach vacations, every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Because they came and they busted their butts to help us. They did. They it did. was like a, they came to work. I know. And that's absolutely not what we wanted to have happen, but they were, they were so happy to help. That's what friends do, you know? It is what so, friends do, yeah. I just remember the rest of the day being so much fun, seeing all my favorite people in the world, friends, people I hadn't seen in such a long time family as well and just reuniting talking to everybody and 
And I just remember by the end of the night, just being absolutely exhausted, you know, because from the moment you wake up for the couple, it's go, 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 go all day long. But it was the best day of my life, really. And I would do it all over again if I could. (laughs) Well, you kind of can because you own the venue. So (laughs) you get a little part of that all the time, right? Touche. Touche. You got You're right. You're right. <laughs> so you two are officially married, but you're really, you know, building your life together after living in a small Brooklyn apartment. So what did you put on your registry? Yeah, we went from this teeny tiny apartment in Brooklyn where we both couldn't stand in the kitchen at the same time Mm-mm. to a four bedroom farmhouse on 120 acres. So we just needed household items, basically to help fill our lives and build our home because it takes a little time to collect all those things. And it was a pretty extreme change for us. Abby and I both like to cook things. So, and yeah, like she said, our kitchen, we both couldn't stand in it. I mean, really it's just the stove, sink, and maybe like three square feet of countertop space. You could barely call it a kitchen, but so we had a proper kitchen now and, so we asked for things like a Dutch oven, and we love that thing. I mean, we cook with it all the time now, but we asked for all kinds of like other little kitchen appliances, like a mixer, food processors, you know, just to fill it out and just improve our cooking abilities here. Yeah, I love a good kitchen gadget. So I'm, I want a Dutch oven. I feel like I need to convince my husband that a baby pink one is worth the splurge. <laughs> it definitely is. That was my favorite registry item is this baby pink Dutch oven. It's so heavy yep. and it's so beautiful and it's like a centerpiece of our kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> so you're married now and I feel like the two of you have had such a unique love story from not meeting in real life for two months and basically creating your own wedding from scratch, including the venue. So what are the biggest life lessons the two of you have learned as a couple? And what advice do you have for our listeners when it comes to relationships and marriage? We sort of have a unique perspective nowadays as venue owners. I guess one sort of bit of advice that we could give the couples, especially when it comes to planning their weddings. I know a lot of people sometimes like to try to take things on themselves, you know, DIY do all the decorating themselves, and it really is a great way to save some money, but it also has a lot of stress to your day, where it's like a day that you should be more relaxed, you know, just living in the moment and enjoying it. So I personally would recommend, you know, you know, people consider perhaps getting like a day of coordinator, someone just to help out with the decorating. You know, we've met a lot of such professionals in the area over the past two years, and they're, you, you might be surprised, but they're relatively affordable, you know, and, and I would say it's worth all the trouble. That way, bride herself and most importantly, like her, her mother can enjoy the day because I know half the time we have moms of the brides out here stressed out decorating the place. And, um, yeah. yeah. Or if you can't, if having a coordinator is not in your budget, then I think just try to be organized so that everybody has an assignment and a role and yes. so people know how to walk in and just execute the plan right. instead Being of organized with help. Yeah, or have a leader. If you if you have any kind of school teacher friend, <laughs> they're the ones that you want to ask to just help. <laughs> the school 
school teachers are great. Otherwise, it's just kind of figuring out like what stresses you out or what is really hard for you or which decision you're kind of dreading. And I would just recommend that you get that out of the way and over with. And then you can have fun taking care of some of the decisions that are more enjoyable for you. But in terms of marriage advice, I feel like being kind and gentle and (laughs) nice to each other is like a a choice you make every day. And Tim and I both make that choice. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're, we can both be sassy, of course. (laughs) Probably not Tim. He's so nice. (laughs) He's never sassy. But we both just try to do that. And I feel like knowing our love languages has been helpful Mm -hmm. just so that we have the perspective of what each of us feel like, how we can express our love and what means love being given to us. And so that was helpful in some ways. What about you? Abby definitely makes a good point about love languages. As I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, me giving her little gifts or doing things for her. I know one of Abby's love languages is acts of service. So try to do that for her as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I tell Abby every day, I think she's the most beautiful woman in the world. She's probably tired of hearing that by now, but I still continue to tell her. Another one that I think is crucial is if you have, if something happened that's bothering you or you feel like your feelings got hurt somehow, just don't let it fester. Just talk about it. I mean, of course, if you need to take a minute and lick your wounds, that's okay. But just try to deal with it as quickly as possible because nothing good happens by letting it sit. Yep. I would like to double down on that. I feel like my husband and I really (laughs) don't fight. I mean, we fight rarely because if he's doing something that bothers me, I just tell him right away. And it's like in a kind voice because I'm not super annoyed. I just realized it. I'm like, hey, don't do that. I don't like that. And then we just move on. It's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) I was not doing that for so many relationships. Like you were saying, I was letting it fester and then like exploding. And it's just, it's, It doesn't set anyone up for success. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, this has been just incredible. I've loved talking to the two of you and your wedding is so pretty. And we have amazing photos that are going to be in our upcoming issue. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But Tim and Abby, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your beautiful love story. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, Wendy. Of course. Listeners, if you want to see more amazing photos of Abby and Tim's wedding and their venue, which you can find and book on The Knot Marketplace, pick up a copy of the fall-winter issue of our magazine, The Knot Chicago, which hits newsstands on August 12th. XOXO is a podcast produced by The Knot, the nation's leading wedding planning app offering a seamless, all-in-one planning experience from finding inspiration in local vendors to creating your registry and managing all of your guest experiences like digital RSVPs and photo sharing. The Knot was founded on the mission of helping every couple plan their wedding, regardless of their style, budget, location, culture, or who they choose to marry. For more than 20 years, The Knot has helped empower 25 million couples and counting to plan their perfect celebration. If you're planning a wedding, be sure to download The Knot Wedding Planner app, available for all mobile devices. Now, a word from our listeners. Jen, a newlywed from Asheville, North Carolina, wrote an email to us sharing, being married is not just a vow, a commitment, or a declaration. It is a path for two people who love each other to follow throughout all the changes life brings. 
Like any path, it will have its twists and turns and ups and downs, but don't ever forget that it is taken together. Keep moving and have a wonderful journey. Rick and Alexa from Phoenix share this marriage advice. The game of life is very challenging and marriage is a team sport and every couple will face difficult times. When those times come, you have to stop thinking, how will I get through this and rephrase the question? It should become, how will we get through this? And if you truly adopt that way of thinking, every problem immediately becomes more manageable. Thanks for tuning in to XOXO by The Knot. If you have a comment about our show, tips for making your own traditions, or marriage advice you want to share on air, email us at xoxo at thenot.com. And connect with us on social. Search our handle at The Knot and on the web at thenot.com. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And thanks to our producer, Lauren Nolan, with assistance from Emily Berman. This podcast was recorded in New York City at the Hangar Studios.